welcome. You are listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. I'm Ernesto Sambrano. Today's article is by Chris Gaomali from the October 2022 edition of GQ. I wish I was a little bit taller. Part 2. Please note, this is a men's magazine and as such may include offensive topics or language. Transformations. There's no single reason anyone opts for leg lengthening surgery, but often at least one of those reasons has to do with impressing girls. Take Alan, 23, a sweet, lanky software engineer from Chicago. Some of these names have been changed. Originally just under 5 feet 6, Alan never really thought of himself as short until a girl he had a super big crush on, like roasted me for it, in college. This instilled in him a deep insecurity that ultimately prompted him to get his femurs done in February. Now, after spending the last three months alone in his apartment eating delivery food, he's 5'9". Or Brian, a handsome Chinese-American guy from New York who made a lot of money option trading. He's 27. His voice is slow and doodly, and he's something of a player. But he always thought that his batting average with women could be better. A lot of times, I would get rejected, he says. I was like swinging 100 and like connecting with 4 or 5. That's when Brian was 5'7". Now he's 5'10 and itching to get back to the clubs. There are also guys like Chad, formerly 5'5", a CFO who did his rehab in El Paso. He's 53 and a little aggro, the type of shorter guy who will remind you again and again that he's good at jujitsu, the kind of guy who gets mad when he has to stand on his tiptoes to wave down bartenders. I'd go to a bar and literally try to order a drink, Some freaking goon, standing a head taller than me, comes over behind me, says Chad. And a bartender looks up at him like, what can I get you? I'm like, motherfucker, I'm right here. One time, Chad had his ego shattered by a taller woman, 5'10". He was dating. They were walking down the street together, holding hands, when someone passing by gave them a look. She dropped his hand. And I was like, all right, you want to be like that? If you think you could do better, you go do better. See you later. Chad got the procedure done back in December, and now he's almost 5 feet 8. At one point during dinner, Dr. D casually reveals that 90% of his patients don't ever tell anyone they've gotten the surgery. The revelation causes my brain to short-circuit. How can you keep something like that secret? I just told everyone I was in a ski accident, says Alan. Yeah, my mom's pretty oblivious, says Brian. I'm just going to tell everyone that they put so many things in the vaccine, says a patient named Johan, who got his femurs and his tibias done and went from 5'4 to 5'10. Dr. D understands why his patients would opt to play the procedure close to their chests. I don't think women are like, oh, I got breast augmentation. Like they're proud of it, he says. You know what I mean? He thinks that's beginning to change, though. When some people get cosmetic surgery now, it's like having a Birkin or having a fancy car or whatever. They brag about it because it's like a sign of this elite status in some ways. As dinner wraps up, we skip dessert and call it an early night. Because Dr. D has to get up at 5 a.m. He has a leg lengthening to perform in the morning, and I'm invited to watch. Under the Knife Should you find yourself a guest observer in Dr. D's operating room at Sunrise Hospital and Medical Center, you'll be escorted by a relentlessly upbeat representative, who will take you past the self-playing piano in the lobby, the infirmary, the employee locker room, and into the heart of the hospital, where you will trade your street clothes for scrubs. And there, in the bedlam of the operating room, is Dr. D, cheery as ever, like he never went to bed, surrounded today by a flanks of guys wearing hokas and salamons. Ushers my way booms through the OR speakers. 
We usually listen to Britney, someone jokes. In the middle of the room, his top half covered with the tarp, lies the patient, unconscious. Today he's getting two nails implanted into his femurs. Even though he's only visible from the waist down, his junk is taped off. I can see that he has an athletic build, which makes him look like a mannequin that got dumped into the back of a garbage truck. That he appears slightly dehumanized is maybe to my benefit, because the drilling is about to commence. Dr. D inserts a small drill in one of two-inch long incisions he's made in the upper right thigh to get the break started. He then calls for a device called the reamer, and everyone moves with the choreographed efficiency of an F1 pit crew. The reamer materializes in his hand. It's basically a handheld cordless drill, only the actual bit is two feet long. The reamer is used to hollow out the bone so that the nail can be placed snugly. Dr. D gives the reamer a few whirs, and then jams the pointy part into the other incision and down into the patient's leg. With the aid of x-rays and a guide wire, he begins to drill a hole down the center of the femur. The sound of hot spinning metal pulpifying bone isn't unlike the sound of installing drywall anchors. Actually severing the femur only takes a few seconds. What he started already with the drill is followed by the deployment of the osteotome, basically a razor-sharp chisel. Dr. D inserts the tool into the incision along the patient's thigh and starts whacking away with a mallet. Sometimes it's one tap, Dr. D shouts while casually hammering, as if he's hanging a picture frame. Other times it's ten taps, clink, 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 clank. When Dr. D pulls the reamer out of the incision, the effect is kind of like Jack Nicholson's Joker pulling a comically long pistol out of his pants. A warm, bloody slurry of liquefied bone and marrow and fat begins to ooze out of the hole with horrifying speed and volume. Once the nail is finally set in the now-severed bone, Dr. D makes a few more tiny incisions along the leg and drills a few screws in to hold everything together. On the x-ray screen, it looks like the patient's thigh is pregnant with a weather vane. All in all, the right leg is completed in 38 minutes. The left will take more or less the same amount of time, but it's only when the patient wakes up two hours later with five to six new holes in each of his legs, that the real work can begin. Protect your investment. When John and I show up at the Limplast X Institute on the morning of his appointment, Dr. D is a little frosty, a few degrees removed from his usual self, which is to say he's extremely pleasant, like an angry Kenneth from 30 Rock. The problem is that John doesn't have his crutches, and he hasn't yet been cleared to go without them, even though he isn't feeling any pain. This, according to Dr. D, is a huge no-no. John's been a bad boy ever since he came here, he says. I always tell patients that when they stop lengthening, that's when they get into trouble, because they feel good. They got their new height and they have no pain. They get impatient. As Dr. D explains, John's femurs aren't fully consolidated. He's 95% healed on his left side, but only 80% healed on his right, meaning the bone tissue is still forming, still pliant, and a little squishy. If the nail were damaged in a fall, they'd have to replace it with a new one and the whole process would have to begin again. This has only happened in his practice a handful of times, says Dr. D. So yeah, protect your investment, Dr. D tells John in the register of a disappointed grade school teacher. It's just three more weeks, okay? You've already gone this long, and then you can have the whole summer to move around, all right? John is apologetic. He was so eager to be the newer, taller him already. There's a mental discipline that you have to have, Dr. D would tell me in private. It's like training for the marathon. Wouldn't it be cool? I first discovered leg lengthening almost 15 years ago when I was just out of college. Like a lot of short guys, I simply googled the phrase, how to grow taller as an adult. At the time, part of me conflated being short with being less desirable. 
Sometimes I'd fantasize about winning the lottery, getting the procedure, and disappearing for a year. Truth be told, my height is maybe the one thing I've ever felt regularly insecure about. The only times when it really bothers me are when it precludes me from doing stuff, like dating a taller woman I had feelings for years ago, or making my frosh-soft basketball team when I was 5'3", and all my friends seemed to have grown 6 inches overnight, or even now, fetching the instant pot tucked away in the high cabinet without a stool. Then there's my wife, cool, beautiful, confident, smarter than I'll ever be, who towers over me at 5 feet 9. We were old friends who became more than that, and now we've been together for over a decade. Before we got together, I once quasi-drunkenly blurted out, if I was taller, we'd probably be together already, ha <laughs> ha, and to this day, I still feel like a dick for having said that. And so the fact that these guys are so willing to throw down six figures and endure months of pain makes all kind of cosmic sense to me. It's not like you wake up one day and realize that you're short. It's more of a slow-onset neurosis. In high school, you watch as all your peers shoot up a few inches while you keep hoping that your growth spurt is imminent. But then it never happens. The hope doesn't fade so much as it calcifies within you. For some people, it weighs them down. Maybe it makes them angry, like Chad. For most short people, there's always a part of us that feels like a physically incomplete version of who you are supposed to be. You, but at a 90% scale. One night a few months after I got back from Vegas, at home in Brooklyn, I asked my wife what she would think if I were to miraculously find a spare 100000 to get the surgery myself. I mean, if you wanted to get the surgery, I wouldn't be like, no, she replied. But that money would do very nicely in our son's college savings. Then I told her I had a confession, that I felt bad for having said, early on, that we'd probably be together already if I were taller than her. She paused. But you shouldn't, she said. It's funny. I thought you meant it as a joke, so I took it as a joke, mostly, and I don't think it was true. In what way? I knew deep down, eventually, I came around to the fact that we could be 80 years old and still together, and at that point, we'd just be hunched over, wrinkly, droopy. Having that longer-term perspective, it was easy. What do you think it was that made you get over my being short? I guess there's no one thing. It's just changing a mindset. There are some annoying little life adjustments but I am mad that, like, I can't wear heels to a wedding again? That my feet don't hurt whenever I go out? That's fine. And in that moment, I felt six feet four. Perhaps our spiritual heights are more important than reality anyway. During our dinner, I asked Dr. D whether he'd ever considered getting the procedure himself. No, he said. But then he hedged. Maybe if his kids were grown up, and if the load-bearing nail gets approved by the FDA, and if there were someone he trusted enough to insert said nail then maybe? Surgeons from all over the country are interested in learning how to perform the procedure, he said, and a few of them would love to franchise the Limplast X brand. He noted that his wife, who's 5'4", sometimes teases him about getting her legs done. She's like, wouldn't that be cool if I was a little bit taller? There are some minor annoyances worth noting should you suddenly find yourself a taller person. John has to get the height of his driver's license changed, for example. His knees graze the seat in front of him when he flies coach and his own kids all clown on him. They even gave him a nickname, Inspector Gadget. Now other people are starting to notice something different about him. Recently he ran into his cousin, a friend, and their dates at dinner. It had been six months since he'd seen them. His excuse was that he'd broken his hip. They went back to the friend's apartment, and John found himself in the kitchen, alone with his friend, who was about six feet. He leaned into me, said John. He says, look man, I've known you for three years. Never have you been able to look me eye to eye. What's up? John looked him up and down, and started laughing. 
To this day, I still haven't told him, John says mischievously. I've just been like, man, you've gotten shorter. That brings us to the end of today's article. I wish I was a little bit taller. Part 2. If you want to learn more about Airs LA and the types of programs we offer, follow us by clicking on any of the social media links at the top of our webpages. If you like what you see or hear, please click the like button. This podcast is for the sole use of our blind, low vision, and print impaired listeners. Any unauthorized use is prohibited. I'm Ernesto Sambrano, and I'll be back soon with another article. Thanks for listening.